Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. Please make sure your seatbelt is securely fastened, your tray table is in an upright and locked position, and that you are ready to get weird and think different. Please prepare for takeoff. is Thursday. It is January 20th, and we are back with another episode of Destination Different. Something is about to happen. I believe it. Something is about to happen. Just had an amazing interview. Great guest on this week's show. And we talked quite a bit about this moment where you're digging and you're crawling and you're scratching for every inch of your life. You're trying to figure out what works. You're testing things. You're just pushing forward, hoping and praying and wishing that something good is going to happen, that you're going to have this breakthrough moment. And most people, probably 99.99999% of people, who try and make something for themselves, who try and start a business, who are trying to create something from scratch, they stop. They turn around. They they peel back their effort. They quit altogether right before the going really gets good. There's this – I'm going to do a verbal meme here. This is going to be terrible, terrible radio, but I'm going to do it anyways. There's this meme, this picture of a little cartoon guy – and he's digging, digging, digging through a tunnel of dirt and rocks. And he's just at the end of the tunnel and he's putting his shovel into the dirt. And on the other side, there's a whole pile's worth of diamonds. But he doesn't get to the diamonds. He turns around and walks the other way. Meanwhile, there's another guy, split screen, below him who's digging. And he's going to just keep pressing forward and get into the diamonds. That is what we talked about. That was probably just terrible for you to listen to. But if you get what I'm saying, people give up too quickly. They turn around just before the going gets good. And I do truly believe that we are on the precipice of something, that something good is going to happen with this podcast. I can feel it. I've been going at it for too long. I've been putting this time and effort and attention into the show for something good, to, for, to not to have a breakthrough. And so I think that that moment is coming sooner than later. And it leads me beautifully into this week's guest. My guest on this week's show was about to quit. He was about to stop making clothing. He was about to just kind of give give in and just work his full-time day job and... That's what he wanted to do. He didn't think that there was necessarily a future in the brand that he was trying to create. And he was about to shut it down. But he didn't. He had one drop that worked well. Then he had another drop that worked well. And all of a sudden, the momentum started billing. The snowball started rolling. And he was on to something. So my guest on this week's show, his name is Farouk Jadado. And he is the founder and creator of Abass Clothing. And I loved everything about this guy. He was an unbelievable interview. The story of Abass is amazing. And so Abass is this streetwear lifestyle brand. They do everything from, I'm not even going to try and name it off, t-shirts to hoodies to corsets to slides to you name it. They make it amazing style, amazing look. And this was something that started when Farouk was in high school, a phrase that him and his friends tossed around that said, always be about something. That's what ABAS stands for. And it was just a phrase. It was just something that him and his friends said when they were 16, 17 years old. And as he grew older, there was, it just took on more and more meaning. It had took on a life of its own. And as he moved into college, he said, you know what? I'm going to make some t-shirts with this. This is the logo. And 
sold out his teachers to some friends. He said, you know what? There's, there's maybe something here. I want to I dig into this a little further, start a fashion brand. And for years, he sort of toiled away, trying different things, trying different designs, different logos, and nothing was really sticking. Nothing was working. And like I said, he could have turned around, he could have packed up his shovel and headed home. But he had one drop and another drop and another drop that started to get the ball rolling. And next month, Abass will be appearing in New York Fashion Week. So you could say not turning around was the right decision. So we talked about a little bit of everything in this episode from how he started you know, as an artist and becoming a designer of clothing to how he operates the business side of Abass and has really taken that on as the CEO and founder role, but also as the chief creative and what his visions are for the future, how he wants to put a good impact on the world, how he seeks to chase after Nike, how he seeks to build a company with a vision and a global community and all of the hopes and dreams that come with building a company with a purpose and a mission. So this is an awesome episode. I love, love, love talking to Farouk. And so I hope you will enjoy this episode as much as I did. And with that, we'll kick it over to this week's conversation with Farouk Jadado, the founder of Abass Clothing. I hope you enjoy. school you're playing one-on-one hoops with your boy brandon and yep. you, you come up with a bass who won that one-on-one game i don't remember i think i lost honestly i think we stopped oh yeah no i don't think we finished the game because once that we just got so hyped but he was winning though so i would say i lost i for sure lost all right fair 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 i had to, I, I had to ask but to, but to explain to the to the story a little bit so you you know the the phrase abass started you know over a decade ago at this point now so tell a little bit right. about like how that got how it got its start and then yeah how it's now evolved into uh, a, a much something much bigger way bigger i i never would imagine this at 17 years old like i knew i wanted to do something with it but the direction that it's taken it's kind of like just taking life of its own like i'm just i'm just here to navigate and and at what point did you decide that this went from something that you and your your buddies would kind of talk about and whether it was jokingly or not jokingly, but you know, sort of just use amongst amongst friends to something that you then wanted to turn into a brand and, and make clothing around? Like it, it was there was there a singular moment that you said, okay, there's there's maybe something more. This is the name of my business. Uh, and how did you go about starting to build that out? Um, in high school, I knew I wanted to make shirts. Um, at the time, it was just for us, though. But I, I knew I wanted to make shirts for us. Um, the, like I think a week after the phrase was started, I started going on this website called Custom Ink, where you can like literally make shirts online and stuff. And uh, I designed a shirt of the Hulk, because at the time it was A-Bass Hulk. So um, I designed a, a shirt in the comics, the Hulk yells out smash. So he was yelling out A-Bass click, and that was the first thing I ever did for it. Um, and I knew I wanted to make shirts. Uh, owning a clothing brand, though, that was a bit far-fetched. It wasn't something I thought of. I just thought if we all had shirts, like, it'd be kind of cool for us to match. Um, that's where it started. But when I got to college, uh, I was, everybody I met, I told about A-Bass. And, like, they were like, we get it. Like, you know, A-Bass this. It, like, at one point, I had my friend uh, tat A-Bass on my arm with a Sharpie at one point just like I just in college is when I realized that I could do something with it because I was in college and though I had good grades I just I it wasn't I knew right away it wasn't for me I was there I wanted to finish but it wasn't something that I could see myself doing long wise like as far as like getting a career so I think that's when I realized like I have to go another route and then ABAS was like my other option mm-hmm. and from what I understand you've been artistically inclined since you were a little kid and you all, you know, always yeah. doodling, always drawing in class. Were you, you know, classically trained at all? Or was this kind of all self-taught of just like doodling on your notebook in class? And like, mm. how did you sort of build this, like clearly to be able to ultimately get to a point where you're designing clothes, you're, you're yeah. clearly a gifted artist, but like, how did you start to build those skills? Uh, initially my dad, my dad's like one of the best drawers I ever met. Like he, he's amazing. I remember 
when I was a kid, I used to have like art homework and then I'd have them do it for me in like the first grade. Uh, and then I'd get in trouble because they were like, clearly you didn't do this. So I used to try to match his work. And then I remember in the fourth grade, I'd got like a little award um, for like some art drawing that I did about, uh, I did 101 Dalmatians. And my parents at that moment realized, okay, you're good at this. So they put me in art school. So after school, I would have to go to art school. It was like a little rink-a-dink school, but it was still art school nonetheless. And I did that from fourth grade all the way to eighth grade. And so, yeah, I had extra training once they realized that I had natural talent for it. Got it. Okay. And like, I, I, I've talked to a lot of creatives and artists on this show. I think there's like so often this idea of, you know, the broke artist, the struggling artist, and this <laughs> idea of like, oh, you can't turn being, you know, being creative into a, into a career. So yeah. did you ever have any visions of like, all right, I'm taking art class and I'm drawing the Dalmatians, but like, okay, how can I transition this into a, into a business or business. into something um, that I can make money doing? At the time, no. Uh, I actually ended up like quitting art school. I didn't like the fact that after school, I, I couldn't go hang out with my friends. Like I'd have to go back to school. And then it was just like the most frustrating, especially as a kid, like my friends, but let's go, let's go hang out here. Let's go do this. And I'd be like, I can't, I gotta, I gotta go to school. Um, so yeah, I, I ended up just quitting just because of my free time that I wanted for myself. I wish I stayed and like developed a little more skills, but I was a kid and I just wanted to have fun with my friends. So I just, I just quit. Got it. And as you, know, you mentioned, as you get into college, you're starting to get this idea around, I want to make t-shirts. I want to go make t-shirts or right. uh, there's, there's something, there's something more to it. So maybe to back up even a little bit, explain to the listeners of this show, like what, what ABAS means, what it stands for, how it really, you know, what, what in your mind and what in your world do you, did, did you at that time want it to convey? Um, I wanted it to be I wanted it to be um, something that you could wear proudly, like like kind of like a badge, like a badge of honor. Like, and I used to even say when I first started making a bass, like if you're not about something, please don't wear my brand. I used to say that really boldly, and I realized how like um, it sounded bad to say that to people, but I just really wanted people that wore my brand to really like truly want something for themselves, and that's kind of what I wanted to be. Like Nike has the just do it, mm-hmm. and then for us, it's like the live for it and stand by it. So the original logo for the A-Bass was like, I made like a heartbeat rendition, like because, and I made it distorted on purpose because everybody has a different heart. So I didn't want to make it like a regular EKG line or whatever. So it was, it was like deliberately distorted. So it was a heartbeat and then below was like um, spines because without your spine, you can't stand without your heart, you couldn't live. So that's where the whole live for and the standby comes from. And I wanted people to just really see the brand for this, this motivational, I used to call it a motivational wear, but. I never caught on. So <laughs> I just moved on. But yeah, I wanted it to be something larger than life, this ideology, this concept that, you know, we're all great. And it just takes a little bit of fine tuning to realize your greatness. And once you realize that greatness, tapping into it full force so you can actually actualize it. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's so funny, like, you know, watching your watching your videos, looking at the, the content on ABAS on your personal feeds, like you have such a charismatic ability to sort of communicate what, what the brand stands for. (laughs) But at the time when you're, when you're 22, 23 years old, like clearly the visions in your head, but how, how did, how did you make the the t-shirts or the hoodies or whatever it was that you were making, you know, match up to that vision? Cause it's such a big, bold vision. You know, somebody might look at that and just say, Oh, he's just making, he's just print screen printing something on a t-shirt. Like how did did you sort of make those two worlds (laughs) meet in the middle somewhere? Um, it was tough. My first, my very first shirts I drew, it was a heartbeat at the bottom of the shirt, kind of like just to, to embody the whole brand idea. Um, yeah, it was very, very hard. Like, uh, I used to try to use symbolism, like certain numbers certain letters, but people just didn't like, if it looked good, they bought it. If it didn't, they didn't. So it was very, very hard. And then like, even now looking back it like, like it makes a full circle. But in the moment being in it, I didn't know what I was really doing. Like, I didn't know why I was so adamant about uh, certain things that I was doing on the shirts, whether whether it be the heartbeat print, where it be the roses on there. Like, I don't know why I was so adamant about it, but looking back, clearly there was a vision in my head that I didn't even understand at the time. Um, so it was very hard. And that's kind of the reason why I think it took me so long to like expand because 
I had this grandiose concept, but it was hard to convey that in a single shirt. So I had to just kind of kind of put it on the shelf for a minute and just sell the shirts. And then once I got far enough, then tell the story like backwards. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's yeah. that's interesting. So you were kind of like, I, I saw, I don't know if I read this or listened to this somewhere that it was probably two to three years before you said you made your first like couple thousand bucks, like, you know, selling yeah. the shirts. Yeah. So in those early years, are you kind of just perfecting or working on the art of actually like making a good piece of clothing of making something that fits well and the fabric is good. Like you're kind of working out the kinks in those early, early days. Like, how do you think about those, that time when you, you weren't necessarily making them a lot of money, you know, selling um, the shirts. I was, um, I think back then I was more so just, I was discouraged. I'm not going to lie. Like it wasn't, I wasn't able to take it seriously because I knew how serious I was about it. Yeah, I didn't see the results match up. And I think for me, that was a test back then because it was kind of like, I always say like, are you really about it? Like when things aren't working out, are you still gonna, are you still down for the ride? And I think that was my test and I kept failing. That's why it took so long for me to get here because I wouldn't see any money. So I'd be like, ah, fuck it, whatever, I'm not doing it. And I just kind of, I would drop stuff. It wouldn't sell, I'd put it in my garage, just let it sit there. And then if somebody brought it up, I'd be like, well, I have a shirt in the garage if you want one. Like, so I wasn't really taking myself seriously. Um, so yeah, it wasn't it wasn't what it is now. And then I think because I wasn't seeing the result, I didn't let myself see the like the full vision. Like I wasn't like, yeah, I I I, I, um, I had a full time job. I had two jobs. I was just like, yeah, I'm gonna go back to my just. I'll make some actual money, and if this picks up, cool. But for now, let me go make some actual money. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I've seen you talk about it, but it's something I've struggled with in, in hosting the podcast here too. It's like, for I've, I, I kind of continue to think about it as this thing on the side that I do and it's nice right. and it's like, you know, but when you think about it that way, you're never seeing this like crazy incremental growth. It's like, Literally. as soon as, as soon as you start, it seems like in your world, thinking about it as a business, thinking about it as like an operation, right. that's when you can really start to see the, see the growth. So was there, was there a moment for you that you're like, you know, had to have a hard look in the self in the mirror and say, Hey, I gotta, I gotta take this seriously or, or drop it all together. Yes. Um, my mom had a conversation with me. Um, so I'm Nigerian born and raised and education and like professional career is like a big thing in our culture. And, uh, my parents kind of just like, they were, I wouldn't say they weren't the most supportive for, for me wanting to make t-shirts, you know, like my mom would call it in the past. Um, so she kind of just talked to me and was like, how are you going to live off t-shirts? Like, how are you going to, you know, do this, do that? And I, I, I told her, just give me six months. I said, give me six months. If I can't make something like happen, cool. I'll go get a job. I'll use my degree, whatever the case may be. Um, six months went by, nothing happened. <laughs> and then she called, <laughs> she called and remembered. It was like, oh, it's been six months. I was like, you know what, mom, you just don't believe in me. And I went on this slow defensive rant and, um, we were kind of like at odds for a little bit and it was around November, 2019. I dropped, oh, was it November? But I know it was like late 2019. I dropped a set of beanies. I made 60 of them. The beanies sold out in 10 minutes. That's never happened. It's never happened to me ever. Um, I thought something was wrong. I thought I was like, this isn't real. The glitch like, of the system. Like it was just weird. I was just like, huh? So the bean, but then again, the beans were ten dollars. I'm like, okay, well, they're ten bucks, whatever. It makes sense. Um, they sold out. I restocked, sold out again. I was like, huh? And then they, and then this time they sold out. They sold out faster. Like within five minutes, they were all gone. I was like, huh? Okay, well, let's test this theory out with like clothes. So I made sweatsuits. I made, I think, I believe I made eighty of them. They sold out, and I was just like, okay, all right, something's happened here. I don't know what something's happening. And, um, I remember I didn't drop for like a, for like a, for like a, a few, like a few weeks. Right. And people started like to hit me up asking questions like, Hey, I'm waiting for the, and that's when I was like, okay, um, we're going to give this a last go. We're going to just go, go all in full on. And if it, if it, if it, if it takes, it takes, if it doesn't, then we're going to just be real, like be real with ourselves. And then I dropped some crew necks. They sold out. And then it just became this habit of selling out. And then 
when I, when it really hit for me was actually truthfully a 2020 summer. Damn, it's 2022. That's crazy to think about. <laughs> um, uh, 2020 summer, I um I made this like I invested a whole bunch of money into like a, the most inventory I've ever had in my life. Um, and I I closed my site the day like two days before my drop. I was dropping May 20 no. May 14th, something like that. I was dropping mm-hmm. in May at some point. So I like I closed my site for a couple of days because I was I was fixing stuff, putting stuff up on there. And then the day of the drop, it dropped at 11 a.m. And Shopify has this thing that when you get an order, it goes cha-ching on your phone. Um, so it was 11 a.m. and nothing, there was no noise. I was like, ah, reality. <laughs> but apparently I'd forgot to unlock my site. So uh, my friend texted me, was like, hey, bro, like, the site's not working. Like, you know, I'm trying to buy something. I was like, oh, okay. Um, I unlocked the site and just a swarm of cha-chings just went on. And my girlfriend, like, she goes, is that your phone? I was like, I think. I've never heard this, ma- this much noise with it before. Something's broken. I was like, I think that's my phone. And I look at it and it's just like orders, orders, orders. To the point where my site actually crashed for 30 minutes because there's so many people on there. And... Within an hour, I'd made over $4,000. I called my mom. I was like, yeah, I'm doing this for real. Yeah. This is real. <laughs> this is real now. And it was just like, I think that moment, like, I actually called my job and I called out of work that day. I was supposed to go to work within like a couple hours. I was like, yeah, I'm not coming in today. I'm feeling, I'm feeling ill or something. I said something. I don't know what I said. But I called in. And yeah, and that, that moment, it was just like, yeah, this is all in at this point. And yeah, I never looked back ever since. I love that. All right, so... I, I have some questions coming off of that. Yeah. You drop the beanies and they're a hit. And right. then you said you go to a track, like a track suit, right. sweatsuit. That's not necessarily like an apples to apples jump. Did you keep the same, the same design? Did you keep the same like approach to how you dropped it? Like what, what do you think about those couple of drops in a row that you did that it was like, all right, this is working. This is working. This is working. Was it the same style? Was it the same? Like, what about it? Were you doing different marketing? Like what was making those, moment sticky because i think your situation is such a perfect example of people get to that like i'm we're close we're close we're scratching we're close, the surface yeah. and then they're like ah fuck it i'm done and, <laughs> and shut it down before they right. get to that big moment right, so like right, right. what what was it for you as you started to hit those like little wins little wins little wins prior to that like really big drop in may um i actually started actually marketing now so like something i do I'm in people's DMs all the time. Like, whenever I drop, I just do a mass DM to all my followers. It's annoying. So I've got a lot of unfollows from it, but I've got a lot of sales from it, too. I started doing that. Literally, the beanie. The beanie is what started that for me. So whenever I drop something, I would just send it to your DM as well. Uh, I started doing SMS marketing. So it goes straight to your phone. Um, but what, what I did do that was different was the logo that I now have, or I don't have it on me anywhere, but the logo that I now have with the lines I now, that was my first time using that, that logo on the mm. sweatsuit. Uh, initially, and the funny part is, this is the first logo I drew like when I first started, but I was like, this is stupid. And I crumbed it up and I just threw it away. And I love with the regular A-Bass on stuff. Um, but I, actually, it's right here. It's, so it's, it's this logo right here, right? Mm-hmm. The other logo, it was just A-Bass. It was just the words A-Bass and there was no real meaning to it. This actually means a lot to me. I've never, the, I, expl- I explain it all the time, but so it was my first time using a logo. I was skeptical about it. And I was like, no one's going to like that. It looks stupid. People are going to think of Adidas, things like, like things of that nature. I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to do it anyway. I put that on. And that's been a logo ever since. I've never changed it. Because for some reason, this is the one thing that changed the whole brand. Because before, it was just ABAS letters. That's all it was. Um, I th- so I think this logo really uh, took reception. Also, because I was able to explain what it meant to me and what it meant for the brand. opposed to just putting letters on a shirt. Got it. And so what, what does it mean to you? What does that, what does so that logo mean to you? The logo, um, yeah, it means everything to me really. But uh, so basically, as you can see, it says ABAS, right? And then there's these five lines. I'm not sure if this, this is, is this mirror to you or is this upright? No, you're, you're clear. Okay, cool. Um, so the five lines, these are attempts to form the A, but it never takes. And this is like, literally, this is my life story, my reality with ABAS. Like I've tried. Every time I try, it fails. I stop. Try again, it fails. I stop. 
So these, these are literally um, attempts because before I even like started doing good, I've been trying to just get it off the ground. So like to the point of where just I could sell two items a month, like that was a, like a, that was a, a plus for me. Cause my first shirts ever that I dropped ever, were, they sold out cause all my friends bought them. So after that moment, I thought, okay, well, if I can sell 25 shirts, I can do 50. So I would try, 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 and nothing would take. And so this this literally symbolizes me trying over and over again until eventually the A-Bass is formed. So that's what that means, which is really like basically the whole premise of the brand, which is about perseverance, being about something even through the rough times. So, yeah, I think that's why that um, the sweatsuit sold out because I was able to like talk about it, like you said, and people were like saw the message and they were supposed to just me saying, oh, what do you do? Like, I was able to like articulate how I'm about something. Yeah. It's pretty unbelievable that that was the, the first thing that really took when you had gone through all these iterations and finally right. have the, have the moment of, of success. It's crazy. I get mad at myself. It's like, I, if I just went with that from the jump, maybe I'd be in a different position, but you know, everything happens when it's supposed to. So I don't, I don't, I don't really regret anything. That's awesome. So tell me not to fast forward too much, but you know, you're kind of having some of the success now and, and you're, you're starting to see like the, the momentum and the wheels are turning Right. as a, Business of one, I, you know, were you working by yourself at this point? Did you have any, any help as, as you continue to grow? Like, are you doing everything from shipping to designing to procuring items? Like, were you running everything from top to bottom at that point? Oh, yeah. I was the customer service, the CEO, the, the shipper, the designer. I was, I was everything. Um, and, and I still am very hands-on with everything currently. Um, it's hard for... I have this thing, it's really hard for me to just relinquish the control uh, because everything has to have, one of the biggest thing about the brand that I talk about on TikTok is one of the biggest I even like give people information because I feel like there has to be real substance and like substance for me is equivalent to value. Um, I, I, it's hard for me to drop something that doesn't mean something to me. Like it's very hard, like it has to mean something because otherwise then I'm just another brand trying to get some money. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really big on the fact that I believe that purpose of this brand is to have in, like true impact on people and if i if i'm not able to tell a story with what i do if i'm not able to evoke emotion or like to even tell my story that can inspire somebody else then ultimately i'm being a fraud so uh, i'm very very much hands-on i in the past i was everything but now i have help so it alleviates me a little bit but as far as like being involved still though i'm still very much very much involved mm-hmm. and how is that for you as a <clears throat> creatively inclined person you know you're a designer you're an artist you're creating these these pieces from scratch but then there's the whole other piece of of operating and running a business and so how is that as a learning curve for you and do you enjoy that is that something that you know obviously you clearly had to learn on the fly but how is that balancing the creative side of of making the thing of creating the the collections Right. And then the, the business side of, okay, I got to do my finances. I got to figure out taxes and LLCs and all the <laughs> other crap that goes with, with running the no, show. Um, it definitely kicked my ass. Like I'm still learning as I'm going right now. Um, because as a creative, like now that the whole creative entrepreneur things are kind of like going in the sphere of the same thing as a creative, you know, you create and then you assume, you know, the creation now it's done. It does what's supposed to do, but now you have to hop into the business mode where it's like, okay, now I have to be the marketer. Now I have to, you know, um, get my, my, my business out there in front of customers and audience and like, you know, what's our brand, what, what's our brand mission? What's our, you know, all the things like that, where it's like, initially, I just wanted to create stuff. Like I did my job, but now I have to do my other job, which I'm not so good at. Um, but yeah, again, with time, I got better at it. Now I think my marketing is pretty much uh, I could get better, but uh, as far as like where I'm at, I'm pretty satisfied where I'm at so far. Uh, being that I have no actual technical training with it, I get a lot of compliments from so, um, agencies that actually reach out to me. So it's like that is kind of validating in a sense, but it's something that I really had to learn because ultimately I didn't, I didn't understand that like why my clothes weren't selling. People would tell me all the time, it's great. And why don't you buy it? Like, it's like, I never understood that you have to go the extra step. Like, you know, people might like something, but you have to like market it to them in a sense so that they actually want to buy it. So uh, it's definitely something I'm still learning, getting better at day by day, but it is a little easier than it was before. For mm-hmm. 
And what do you think about your philosophy or approach to marketing? Obviously I discovered you on TikTok, So you're, you clearly something that you're doing is working, but how do you think about building your brand on social media? You know, are you running ads? How do you think about like the holistic picture of what you're doing to, to advertise the brand? Um, yeah, definitely. I'm running ads on Facebook, Instagram, Google. Um, I did it on Pinterest. I, 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 I vary on Pinterest. I'll do it sometimes. I won't. Um, and now I'm actually going to start TikTok ads tomorrow, actually, which is actually going to be very, very, I'm, I'm assuming it's going to be very lucrative being that my TikToks already are doing numbers organically. Um, but to me, I think one of the things that I always tell, so I have, I have a mentorship program, which I mentor other brand owners to kind of help them get to where I'm at or surpass me, hopefully. Um, I tell people like, for me, the reason why I'm able to, I guess, be good at marketing is because we're like, every time we think of marketing, we think of this like grandiose thing of like, oh, you know, marketing on the computer, pressing buttons and stuff like that, right? And in reality, I, I have always just dumbed it down. Marketing to me is how do you meet somebody? Like when you meet somebody, you initially say, hi. Huh. You don't just go in there and say, hey, you, like you don't meet somebody and go, yeah, my mom's being on my, she's on my ass today. Like you don't just go into things like that, right? So when you meet somebody, you say, hi, that's brand awareness. Like, like I was able to kind of like, for, so for me, it, it literally, it, it's a parallel to like socializing for me. I don't know how I'm able to do that. I'm just, I just am. So when, people, when I was first explained the whole process of it, I was like, oh, so you're telling me you want me to go meet a bunch of people and have them like me. Because ultimately your brand is supposed to be a person that people like and want to hang out with. That's ultimately what you're trying to do. Um, so initially uh, I learned that, okay, when you first meet somebody, you say hi. That's brand awareness. Second time you see them, you say, oh, nice to see you again. That's, that's retargeting. And then maybe the third time you see them, you say, hi, nice to see you again. What's new? How have you been? You have these conversations. And that's, that's literally conversion. But it, I mean, obviously there's more to it than that, but that's how I was able to kind of like simplify for myself. Because it's like, ultimately I'm meeting somebody new and I'm trying to tell them this guy Abash is pretty cool. You should get to know him. That's all I'm trying to do. So yeah, like it's, it's, I'm able to simplify, so now it, it, I'm able to do it more effectively now. As somebody who works in marketing for a day job, I have never heard that explanation, and it is completely perfect. It is so simple <laughs> and such an easy way to think about it. It's it's pretty great. Um, and how have how how have your sales track? So you know you have that big moment in in May of 2019. Like, are you just kind of continuously building and growing and that it's kind of a linear upward trend or have it still been peaks and valleys and, and how is the brand like, yeah, how does, how does it move month over month or day over day? And like, how do you think about that and, and try and still focus on the big picture, but also like manage that, you know, those, those touch points. Yeah. Um, So yeah, it has been linear as far as like, it has been like this crazy way. Like, like I thought it would be, Again, I, I had a podcast um, a couple months ago where I talked about, I thought I was going to make shirts and get rich. I really thought that was like, I thought that was the whole secret, make a shirt, get rich. But um, yeah, it's been moving up, like it's been moving up, but at the same time, um, I haven't been doubling down on what's working, which I'm realizing is my problem. If something works, I go good job and I go try something else. And that's the that's where that's the area I like in. That's the area that I know that's making the brand not blow up as fast as it can, because I don't. Again, I don't know why I do it. It's just like even when I, for example, like when I had a design, I'll drop a collection, rather than like doubling down on that and make more stuff with that collection. I'll go make a whole new one, and it's like now I have to refamiliarize people with this new collection. And I wonder why is it kind of slow, but it's like you know, I'm learning that if something works, just keep going with it. So now I'm kind of like going back to the drawing board. And that's kind of why I did my free shirts uh, the other, this, this past weekend, kind of going back to the drawing board and just um, <clears throat> doing what's been working. But overall though, yes, it has been, um, there has been a great increase in the brand, not as much as I would want obviously, but it has been an increase to the point where I do this full time now. Um, like I said, I have help. So it has been progressing. I just, I wish I would just stuck with what worked and kept on it, you know what I'm saying? Until it didn't work. And then we'll yeah. 
how do you make some of those decisions uh, around what you make? Because obviously the brand has evolved now beyond just shirts. You know, it's not just T-shirts. You're doing stuff for both specifically for men and women. You're doing, you know, beanies, you're doing sweatsuits, you're doing jackets like that. You've got so you got pants, you got so much going on slides. Right. Like there's so many different <laughs> items. How do right. you just, how do you start to set those? Is it like, I got a cool idea for a pair of slides. Let's make it. Or how does it, how do you, how is that creative process to like get to a new item or a new collection? Uh, initially, yes, it was like, I have a cool idea. Let's do it. That was, and then I realized that was also me moving in my creative space, not a business space. Um, cause I'll have, I'll, like I have over 10 sketchbooks of just ideas that I haven't even touched yet. Some of them are just coming to light and I've made them like literally like 10 years ago. Um, so whenever I get, whenever I get an idea, I just sketch it down and put it down. So I know I have it, but in the past I would have the idea and then just go make it like, yep. But now moving forward, I'm very much in the business space where it's like, I'm not going to make slides and I just made hats. It's like. There's nothing to pair between you. I'm not gonna make sweatsuits when it's super hot. Like it's the understanding that you can't just make things because you want it. So now being very strategic, like right now, we have shirts, but we also have sweatsuits, we have hoodies, we have shorts from the summer. They're just kind of like we still have like maybe like five or six of them left. But we have things like that run over. But right now specifically, I'm doing like winter stuff, winter items. Um, and then trying to because before I used to make, like, I'll have a cool idea for a shirt and I'll have a cool idea for a pant for some shorts, but like they didn't match. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people wouldn't buy them because it's like, I don't know what to wear with this or that. So now being intentional, like, okay, well, making items that maybe if you bought this shirt and that shirt and they go together, you have a full outfit. So being more mindful because honestly, it, it makes sense for you to sell an item and upsell them to get this item with it at a discount price. And now you're offering in the business world. In the past, I never thought of that. I would have been like, that's a cool shirt. That's some cool shorts. I'm making them. So being intentional, being mindful about that, um, and just kind of seeing what's like trending and not necessarily going the opposite way, but trying to look beyond that. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like a lot of people, um, they don't realize that the minute you catch a trend, it, that means it's ending. But I, I don't think a lot of people in fashion realize like when you start to see something a lot, it doesn't mean go make it. It means it's dying out. So find the next thing that's about to be the way. So for me, whenever I catch my eye on something, which I've been really good about for the last, I want to say last six, seven months, I've been able to catch a trend before it starts. Um, so yeah. That's so like what's, what's an example of something like that where you caught a trend and you were like, okay, I'm, I'm maybe a little bit ahead of this where you were able to create and make something and, and get it out. Like what was, what would you be something that would. Um, that? So in this past summer, um, I Lululemon was dropping this the, their little bralette sets, um, but lot, I didn't see a lot of brands. I, honestly, I didn't I didn't know any brand that was like a local like small business brand making them. I didn't know any anybody. So I dropped them in May when I dropped my first collection, and those the, the bralette sets sold out. They sold out over seven times. I restocked them over seven times. Um, so this, so that's an example because I was able to. And people didn't even realize they wanted it until like they saw it. And it was like, oh, they did. That is pretty cool. And like, they were like, that reminds me of Little Lemon, but like, mine was far cheaper. Mm-hmm. It, was, it had my branding on it and the whole thing. So it's like, I was able to catch that. Also, um, oversized tees. Palm Angel did this a while ago. They have the um, oversized tees with the big print on the back. Um, those were popular, I want to say, in 20, 2020. And the thing about trend is like they, they, they literally recycled. Right. Um, and I was looking, I saw that everybody was, uh, uh, a lot of people weren't making oversized t-shirts. People were just doing, uh, you know, the regular graphic tees. So I realized, okay, graphic tees are, uh, I mean, graphic tees can never really die out, really. But for a small brand, they were kind of just falling into this big oversaturated market. And it's like, okay, well, do something that nobody else is doing. So I went the, I went the other route. I kind of like took the inspiration from Palm Angels. And I had the, in all ways, really large on the back of the shirts. I had the print on the sleeve, I mean, on the uh, collar, and I had words on the side. So just doing things that were a little different, but yet still very much, like, cool. And, uh, yeah, just, like, things like that. And even my shorts, um, being intentional, not using sweat shorts. A lot of people make sweat shorts. I was like, okay, I'm not going to do sweat shorts. I'm going to do French terry shorts. They look the same. 
till you feel them, then you're like, whoa, what is this? Mm. So, so like little things like that. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it seems like you're not going against the conventional wisdom of fashion, but you're kind of taking like, all right, this is cool. This is trendy. This is whatever. And putting your little, your little spin on it. Right. How, how do you think about, like, how would you define the, the style of a bass? Like what, what is sort of your, you know, more so like, what are you, what are you trying to convey with the clothes and what you're, what you're making? Um, I always say this thing, uh, it's more a lifestyle brand. And when I say that, people kind of always assume like sports. Because that's mm-hmm. kind of what you think. Um, my goal is to redefine that definition. <clears throat> so when I say lifestyle brand, it means I want to be in all parts of your life. I want to be in all parts of your lifestyle. So I want to be there when you're going to work. I want you to wear a basket. If you want to go to a fancy dinner, I want you to wear a basket fancy dinner. If you want to go work out, I want you to be able to wear a basket to work out. If you want to just have chicken in the house, so my goal is to be able to have something for you in all realms of your life. So when I say lifestyle brand, a lot of people get that confused and think, oh, athletic wear. I'm like, no, I want to be in all parts of your life. So when you go out, um, for the for my fall collection, I had like um like a uh what's the word? Like a wool jacket. Uh, it's not a wool jacket, but a flannel jacket. Flannel, Sorry. Yeah. So I have flannel jackets, I have corduroy sets, um, uh, what else? I had corset sweatsuits for the ladies that you could dress up or dress down. Um, I've even had skirt sets. I've seen a lot of women in the club actually wearing my skirt sets in the club. So it's like, for me, I want to be a part of your life in all realms of it. So it's kind of hard to just put one style on it. It's just kind of like, we're like the everyday, we're the everyday brand, like for every budget, for every wardrobe and every, um, every lifestyle. I like that. Yeah. And it's, I mean, even looking at your stuff, it's, it's, not overly like you watch some of these like high end designers and it's, it's so out there that it's like, I couldn't wear, I couldn't wear this on a day-to-day basis, but you look right, at your right. stuff and it's like, that's simple enough that I could, you know, I could, I could right. wear that to the supermarket. I could wear that to work. It's like, it's basic enough, but it has that little bit of flair or personality or whatever to it, which I, I really appreciate. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. As, as you're thinking about moving forward with the brand and, and growing into the next phase, I understand you're working on a lingerie brand, for example. <laughs> yeah. So tell me a little bit about that and how you think about what, you know, what are the future items that you want to build look like? And, and are there sub, other sub brands that you want to build in here? Um, so how are you thinking about, about that? Uh, yeah, definitely. So the, the, the um, lingerie brand is like uh, its own thing. It's not even attached to ABAS. Okay. Um, it's called Sneaky Links. And I did that because the whole sneaky, like for a while, everybody was saying sneaky links. It was like a, it was a popular term. And I was, I was researching. I was like, I wonder if there's a brand with that name. And I was like, because it'd be dumb if nobody had the name sneaky links for a launch raid brand. Like, like, it doesn't make sense to me. So I looked it up and it wasn't taken. And I was like, huh, I guess I'll have it. And um, that's where that came from. And that's, just, that's solely drop shipping. But still, it was just like, I just feel like... Um, I'm educating myself a little more with that because again, I don't like to move. I, I mean, as of now, at least, I don't like to move into, into spaces that I know nothing of. Like I want to at least know the bare minimum and then get expert help and then move forward. So that, that just came solely because I'm just, I guess, ambitious and I just wanted to be able to do more and more things. Uh, I have other brands that I'm doing. I have um, a payment processing company that I'm working on. Um, that's going to probably go fully in effect in February. Uh, what else? I have a friend that's doing a coffee company um, that I'm currently helping them out with. So just like things like that, my goal is to just diversify myself as much as possible. Like I tell people all the time, ABAS is a doorway to my house. Like there's more behind. Once you open the door, you'll see more, but I have to make my door as appealing as possible to draw you to it so you can actually want to open the door. So yeah, there's a whole lot more that I plan to do. And yeah, I just, I see myself now kind of more in the, businessman realm like i think i've fully like accepted the role like i'm a businessman and i want to have multiple businesses and different aspects of things that i enjoy god that, i mean that's crazy and, and I, I knew you were working on some of these other side projects and you know you do the mentorship and it sounds like yeah. you're expanding that opportunity as well how do you prioritize your time a little bit as a businessman like clearly you are seemingly on 24 7 365 but how do you how do you sort of make time for your 
for yourself and also find ways to make time for all of these business opportunities and, that you got going um, on? It's, it's honestly a lot of sacrifice. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, last three days, I've actually been in my office. I haven't gone home. I've slept here the last few days. So luckily, my, my office comes with a shower, the kitchen, everything too. So that's great, which kind of makes it even easier to do. Um, I went ahead and put a futon in my office because I knew I was going to be doing that. I knew myself. Um, so just kind of like, honestly, just just my thing is I always see the end goal. And I think this is somewhere like <clears throat> people our age kind of get lost in translation. It's like sometimes we work hard and nothing comes of it and then we give up. Just like you said earlier, like you're scratching, you're about to literally scratch the surface and then you give up and then it's like, if only you did one more dig, you would have seen the goal. Um, so for me, I, I'm understanding that like, I'd rather sacrifice, you know, the time that I'm sacrificing now, you know, all the energy or effort. I'd rather do that now than have to do that when I'm 45. You know, like I'd rather do that now when I'm young and I'm able to, and you know, I don't have any kids. So I don't really have like, you know, I'm not depriving my children of my time or things like that. Um, so it's just understanding like, are you able to see the bigger picture at all times? Because sometimes we get so lost in like our day-to-day lives that some more loose focus on the big picture. I hope you see the post-its behind me. But those are just post-its of things that I want to accomplish and they're always in my face all the time. So no matter how tired I get or no matter how like, I don't want to do it, I look up and I see, a, I see the vision and it kind of gets me back and it's like, okay, this is just a now thing, it's not forever. Because ultimately the goal is to have a bunch of employees doing everything else and I'm just at home. Um, so yeah, like it's something that I know it's, uh, it's a tedious thing. It takes a lot of sacrifice, but I understand what I'm trying to build. I'm, and I want a legacy for myself and my family and anybody attached to me. I want to be able to leave something for anybody that even knows me. Like, you know, I want to be able to benefit. I want to be somebody of value to any and everybody that has the opportunity to get to meet me, know me, or really work with me. So I know that it's like, that doesn't take, me just being kind of lazy about things. I have to really work hard and work harder than most to get there. So, yeah. It's, it's awesome. And it's, it's admirable kind of how you, you know, really dive in and have committed yourself to it. It's cool to see. And uh, I, I know even from hearing your story about having worked a full-time job and you're like, I don't know, I'm teetered on the fence. You, you know, kind of quit and went, went hundred percent all into this, yeah. uh, <laughs> which I think is, is certainly not an easy thing to do. Like, not tell me, Tell me about that moment because it, it wasn't that long ago at this point now of deciding yeah, yeah. to kind of quit your your day job, if you will, to go all in on on yourself and and right. you know your business. So what was what went into that decision? Um, so I worked for a medical tech company called um, I wouldn't say what it's called. But I worked for a medical tech company and I got the job when I was twenty one. <clears throat> it was it was a fairly good job at the time. It was actually a really good job to be honest. Um, I was comfortable. I lived, I lived comfortably and it, it kind of, it's almost the reason why I was able to kind of be like relaxed about my brand. Cause you know, I wasn't really struggling for money. So like I was able to live comfortably, you know, have nice things. So I kind of like pushed my, um, my, my, my need to work on a batch a little, a little further back. Um, so I told myself when I got the job that I would only be there for five years because I was like five years time, a is going to be so big and I'm going to, make millions and so I was like I'm only gonna be there for five years so uh my fifth year was at the end of 2020 so 2021 was like the start of the sixth year and something in me just wasn't right I like I I would go to work and I just I just like so we have like this is back area you go to my job kind of like for, for you to smoke I would just go to stand there for hours so my boss like, what are you doing I'm like I don't know like I, something in my, like, in my being, just, just being there was just, and it was a good job. My boss was a great boss. He was, like, the best boss I've ever had. But it's just, it just wasn't doing it anymore. And then, like, I couldn't even hide it anymore. So it, um, I talked to, talked to my mom, uh, being that she's really big on security. And surprisingly, she was supportive. I was just like, that's weird. Uh, I expected a whole speech about, People were killed being your position, blah, blah, blah. I expected the whole thing. I prepared for it, and that wasn't the case. My dad was supportive, my whole family, and I was just like, well, that, that's awkward. Now it's like if I, if I don't do it, it's, I'm the reason. Because I, I kind of went to her to kind of talk me out of it because I wasn't, like, super sure about it. So I went to her thinking she'd go 
know, don't quit. And I'd be like, yeah, I shouldn't quit. I was trying to look for a reason not to go all in. And she failed me. <laughs> um, so my family was all with it. My girlfriend was cool with it. Like I talked to my girlfriend, like she was like, yeah, if you feel like, you know, that's where your heart needs to go. And I'm just like, so I told myself I was going to quit in January. But I didn't do it. I was just like, ah, I don't know. Couldn't pull the trigger. I couldn't do it. And then January went by, February went by, and then March came by. And my mom was like, What happened to quitting? I was like, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't think I'm gonna do it. Like, and then I told my I told my uh, my friends like I was trying to get fired. And I was just like, but I wasn't gonna do anything terrible to get fired. I just told people that. And then yeah, I just I remember it was June. I think like June 28th or so. Um, I woke up out of my sleep. And this is funny because I actually never told the story before. I woke up out of my sleep and I, I wake up like pretty early. So I woke up, got um got some water and I went to my balcony, my apartment at the time. And I just looked out, like because um in, in in my balcony you can, there's like a there's like a quad area with like a, with grass mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Yeah. I just looked out, I was looking out in the pool and I just, I just sat there. I literally sat there for like an hour and a half. And I was just like, what am I doing? Like, I just had to talk to myself. And the minute I walked back in the house, I got an order for ABAS and went like cha-ching. And I just, I don't know, for some reason, like I'm, I'm like really like super big on like signs and stuff. And like, like that moment, I was like, no, gotta do it. Like, got to do it. So I told my, cause normally you have two weeks, um, uh, two weeks, like, uh, two weeks. Notice right. To quit. Give notice. Yeah. Yeah. That day I went, I went, to, I went to work that day. I told my boss, he said, when do you leave He's like, what? And he tried to give me a raise, all this stuff. I'm like, why, why would, why, why would you do that? Yeah. He gave me, he gave he tried to give me a fat raise. And I was like, Oh boy. Like, but I was like, I'm nah, making this easy on you. Not at all. So I was just like, no, I got to do it. And that moment, I feel like that moment, it was just, there was something in me that just clicked, like, no, it's time. And July 7th was my, my last day at my job. That's and crazy. It's been six months, not even, that you've I mean, been now kind of in this, this full sprint mode. And clearly, it, the, the decision paid off. Like, things are ramping right. up. You got tons of stuff going on. Uh, you know, from what I said, you had a fashion show in the fall. Did I did I hear correctly that you're gonna ABAS is gonna be in New York Fashion Week coming yes. up? Yeah, so, so tell me about that. Like tell me about some of that momentum and, and what's going on, you know, um, so, on that front. Yeah, so the fashion show I had in October was called the so the fall collection was called Flourish. So the fashion show was called Flourish in the fall event. Um, and that's kind of what we just kind of wrapped up and moving into the next phase, which is prosper coming up. Um, so yeah, that fashion show was something I've always wanted to have one. I mean, I had one for the summer, but it wasn't really a fashion show. It ended up being more like a gathering. Like, we just came, and I happened to have a couple of models walk. But it wasn't like, it didn't have the elements that would make it a fashion show. Um, and then, so, going to the second one, um, we kind of just wanted to go all out. Um, we had, like, live plants, like, 11-foot-tall plants in the building and stuff like that. It was, like, a full thing, uh, a formal dressing event. Um, honestly, one of the, one of the most proud things I've ever done, honestly, um, yeah, I don't even know, I can't even say credit for that. Um, Maya, who I work at the time, she literally put all that whole thing together, like her vision, she came to life and I just happened to be along for the ride. So I can't take credit for that. But yeah, that was, that was major. Like the turnout was even crazy because when I was selling tickets, like the first couple of weeks, I sold like maybe like 40 tickets. The goal is to sell like 380, but because of COVID, we, we weren't allowed to fill to capacity, but I put it there anyway, but we were mm-hmm. like, we're allowed like 250 or something like that. So within the first couple of weeks though, I saw like maybe like 40 tickets and I was like, yo, like, fuck, what's happening? And within that last week though, the ticket sales just rose like ridiculously. We ended up having over 250 people in the building, I believe. Um, and it was just like, it was just big and everybody was just like, Everybody came formally. We had a black carpet. Like, it was amazing. We had, we had a, um, a poet, um, like, perform. It was just, mm-hmm. it was amazing, honestly. It was, like, one of the most, like, lit things I've ever done. And off of that, um, Runway 7 Fashion 
which is another, they're like their production company that does um, you know, fashion week. Uh, they reached out to me because they, they saw my Instagram, they saw that and wanted me to be a part of the New York Fashion Week. And that's literally how that started. So yeah, because honestly, I didn't even want to do the fashion show. Like I had like, I was skeptical about it and I'm glad I did because it turned out, like you said, it built momentum like to the point where now I haven't even posted it on the page yet. I know people, some people like people like yourself remember, but like, I don't think a lot of people even remember that it's a thing because um, they posted me a while ago and I reposted it. And some people caught wind, some people didn't, but I haven't really posted about it because um, things have just been picking up, especially because I'm um, TikTok has been <laughs> keeping me busy. Like, yeah. like I said, I'm making over 400 shirts right now. Like, and uh, yeah, it's a, it's a task. It is, it is crazy to, to kind of hear from you and, and hear how that momentum just starts to snowball. And, and one thing that you, it, it's so like amazing to hear you say, like, you know, I wasn't even sure about the fashion show hosting the own. And then that piggybacks into now, okay, now that New York fashion week is hitting right. you up and wants you to be there. Like, it's crazy how that, that momentum, you know, sort of builds. Yeah. I, I, I just that. have, a, I just have a couple more questions. I don't want to keep you too long here, but tell me a bit about, you know, the, the future proof vision that, you know, what is the grand vision for a bass and like where you want to, to continue to grow it. We've talked a little bit about it, but as, as you continue to build and, and you know, what, what does five years down the road look like? And what is, what is the a bass of the future, you know, sort of start to look like in your um, mind? A bass of the future, the place is like, that's like the goal. I read a shoe dog. It was a, it was a book about the owner of, of Nike. And I think that was the book that uh, humanized success for me. Because I always saw success as just like, whoa, you're successful. Like this impossible superhuman feat. Reading that book made it human for me. And uh, made me realize Nike's not 100 years old. It's really not. And people don't even realize it's the biggest brand ever, but it's not 100 years old. It's not. It hasn't been around as long as Adidas has been. So, so for me, the goal, I'm chasing Nike. I want Nike... In five years, I want them to know who I am to the point where, like, they know who I am. Like, who is this? Who's, who's this asshole on ass? Like, I want that to be the reaction over in Nike. Mm -hmm. five years. Um, but moving forward, though, I just, my goal is to really have impact. Um, I definitely, as, 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 as the brand grows, I definitely want to um, encompass it with a lot of, like, community outreach of, like, you know, educating people um, about, you know, entrepreneurship and like what it really looks like, what it really means, which is literally why I started doing my TikToks the way I did them. Uh, the goal wasn't to, I mean, the goal wasn't, yeah, the goal is to blow up, yes, but the goal wasn't to do it potentially. I truly want to be able to give value to people. But for me, it's, it's, it's the smartest thing to do that to kids that have the ambition to be entrepreneurs, but don't see anybody like them doing it. Or don't even know anybody in that realm that could really make money of it. Like, if I knew that being a comp being a brand was a thing at fourteen, I probably would have put more effort into it. I probably would have stayed in art school. Um, so, for me, as the brand grows, doing a lot of more community outreach where I'm able to educate kids and have them see me like I'm a human. Pe I'm a human being. I have flaws. I make mistakes. I'm not perfect. I understand that being as imperfect as I am success is something that I still have been able to achieve. So you in any realm can do the same thing. And I think that's the biggest thing for me moving forward with ABAS, like the impact we have. Um, even to a point where yesterday I received a letter from uh, an artist in prison. That was, that, that, I think that, that I almost cried, like, like to see, like, like just the concept of the fact that I was able to touch somebody in that circumstance and for them to despite of what they're going through, feel me to reach out to me to tell me how much I inspire them to keep going in their journey to be, to be an artist. Like, that's really why I do this. So yes, the money is going to come. Yes, I plan to be this big company, warehouses and all over the world. Yes, I want those things, but ultimately I want the impact to grow. That's really what I want for ABAS in the next five to 10 years. I want our impact to be something very real. I want people to walk around saying, live for it and stand by it the same way they say, just do it. Uh, I want people to say, just be about it. I want, I want these things to become a norm in, in our, in like society. Cause that's, that, that's really what I want in the next five to 10 years for myself. I love that. It's yeah. You're well on your way. I would say, I think you're, you're, you're on the right track. It's, it seems like, uh, 
it's, it's definitely cool to hear your story and kind of hear the, the vision behind it. Cause it's, it doesn't exist in, in all companies. So it's, it's amazing to sort of <laughs> yeah, hear how, how you not. think about it. All right. Yeah. So I just have a couple, couple rapid fire questions here to, to right. close us out. You can have anybody on earth. We'll say even alive or dead wear a piece of a bass merch. Who are you oh. picking? Oh, that's hard. Oh, that's hard. I would say Drake. I'm not going to lie to you. It's my favorite artist. I would say Drake. Okay. I hate to be so cliche, but hey. All right. All right, Drake. We'll get Drake. And then my, my second piece of that is you get a billboard in Times Square. You can put anything on it. What are you putting on that billboard? Oh, simple. Always be a boxer. So simple. I figured I figured that was the answer to that one, but I was <laughs> I uh, I wasn't sure. Um, is there one piece of clothing, one design that you've made that is your favorite, that you're most proud of, that you like cherish and hold hold dear, that you've you've created for Abass? Uh, yes, I made this puffer coat. Um, so this jacket right here, I think this is the, like the most special thing I've ever made. So Damn. I want you to see the pictures. Yeah. That's an actual like picture. So when I grew up in Nigeria, this is the bus stop we used to walk to to take the bus and stuff. And on the back of it it says property of labor since I was born. So for me, that's the most uh special one piece because it's literally home. I remember walking to this bus stop like all the time <laughs> as a kid, walking to it and get on get on the bus to go to school or go somewhere with my parents, like. It's it, like every time I look at it, it just reminds me of a piece of home. Um, so yeah, definitely that would be my favorite one. That's cool. Is there is there a piece that you haven't made yet, whether it's an article of clothing or something that has been in the in the notebook or in the in your brain for a while now that you're like, man, I gotta make this at some point? Yeah, I wanna make shoes. Like shoes is what started my whole journey for me. But I definitely want to get into shoes. But I, I've been trying to um for the last like eight months, trying to recreate a new mold for some slides. It's the hardest thing to do. And that's why, shout out to Kanye for having easy slides. Cause it, the, the hardest thing to do is to create something that's already been created, but in your own way. So difficult, <laughs> so <laughs> difficult. I've, been, I've had so many attempts and they've all been complete. Just, they all just sucked. Um, so yeah, that's something that I definitely want to do. I want to have my own mold of slides like, like fully come up with the whole concept of it. Okay. I want to get into that. All right. I like that. Is there one biggest fuck up that comes to mind in the history of, of a bass? Is there one that rises to the top amongst, I'm sure a bunch of bumps and bruises along the way. Uh, there's been a, there's been a lot of them. Uh, I would say one big fuck up. Um, after I sold out my hoodies, I mean, my, my 25 shirts, I went and bought, <laughs> 72 hoodies thinking I could sell them. Uh, but when I got them, all the logos were crooked. Every single one. It was, oh God. <laughs> I remember literally making a video of the boxes at my porch. Super excited. Then I opened the box. They're making another video. Oh, shit. And like <laughs> how mad I am. It was the funniest transition because you just see it. Like if you were on my Snapchat at the time, you would have seen a box. Me super excited, yelling, super juiced. And then 10 minutes later, me on Instagram cussing, like super upset because everything was printed wrong. But I was able to, I was able to, uh, to salvage those. Though. So thankfully, do something with those. But that's probably the biggest fuck up because I literally lost so much money because I didn't do anything with them for at least three, four months. I just, they just sat in the box. Try to get a refund. The company stopped talking to me. They blocked me. It was, yeah, it's terrible terrible oh man i remember how my heart felt oh man i was so mad but yeah that's probably my biggest fuck up i think so i mean i've had others but that one i think most is memorable the most memorable one because i was able to like, it taught me how to think on the fly and it made me be like become innovative with like things yeah so, yeah because you like tie you tie-dyed them or something is that right like yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i told them it was uh, i told people it was a it was a special edition hoodie everything on there was deliberately made wacky so I tied out them different colors to kind of make them, you know, go with the theme and stuff. So that's cool. Yeah, definitely that one. <laughs> All right. And my last question. So I end every show, every episode with the sign off of stay weird. Okay. So Farouk, what makes you weird? 
Um, what makes me weird is the fact that I'm willing to leave security in order to go build a legacy. is a wrap on this week's episode of destination different huge thank you to farouk for coming on the show for taking the time away i caught him mid production run of three or four hundred t-shirts he just bought a press he has in his new office and he was gracious enough to take the time out of that run to spend an hour chatting with me so i am super super appreciative what he's building with abass is amazing their stuff is high quality, their vision and mission about standing for something and really having a purpose to what they do is incredibly admirable and I'm excited to watch. I have no doubts. You hear him talk, you hear his energy. You have no doubts. I have no doubts he's going to be on Nike's radar, that he's going to be the next big thing in global streetwear and lifestyle wear. So I am so honored, so happy to have had the chance to get the chance to had the chance to get the chance to talk to him. That was nonsense. Anyways, if you want to follow along, if you want to purchase clothing, if you want to just support what they're doing over at ABAS, it's pretty much ABAS clothing across everything on social. Same thing as the website, abasclothing.com. They have some VIP text options that you can get if you go onto the website and get some deals, but also be part of the community of like-minded doers. So if you want to get involved with that, be sure to check that out. We'll make sure that everything gets linked up in the description of the show. That's all we've got. If you are digging, if you have a shovel and you are trudging away, you're trying to build a business, you're trying to get yourself started on a side hustle, you're trying to lose five pounds, people give up too quickly. There's one thing you take away from this episode, people to give up too quickly. They turn around right before they get to the good stuff. So don't turn around, keep plowing forward. That's what I'm doing. And I hope it works with this podcast. I hope it works in whatever it is that you're chasing right now. Don't turn around, keep on digging. And that's it. We'll be back again next Thursday with another episode of Destination Different. Until then. Stay weird.